Hello, you're listening to a sermon provided by the First Presbyterian Church of Mayopac. We worship on Sundays at 10 a.m., and you can watch us live either on Facebook or YouTube. And if you're in the area, there's always a seat saved for you. We hope that this message encourages you to continue growing in humility and faith. Thanks for listening. Friends, our second reading for this day comes to us again from the Old Testament. If you would like to follow along in your pew Bible or in uh, the bulletin handout, or if you're online, a bulletin of a Bible of your own, or uh, as it will be presented for you on your screen. Let us listen now to God's holy word and what it says to us this day. Alas, for you who desire the day of the Lord, why do you want the day of the Lord? It is darkness, not light. As if someone fled from a lion or was met by a bear or went into the house and rested a hand against the wall and was bitten by a snake. Is not the day of the Lord darkness? not light, and gloom with no brightness in it. I hate it. I despise your festivals, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the offerings of well-being of your fatted animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harp. But let justice... Roll down like waters, and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Amos did not mince his words this morning, friends, as you might be able to tell a little bit, as he addressed the people of God. Amos really cuts to the point, and he makes his point clear. From his perspective, from the prophet's perspective, the people have grown apathetic. They've grown lazy. They perhaps have grown lackadaisical in how they put their faith into practice. And instead of letting their worship, instead of their praise of God coming from the heart, from a place of zeal, of passion, of love, we hear this morning that their worship is instead coming from a place where they just want to appease God, where they want to pacify God, where they want to do just enough so they feel like they're doing what they're supposed to do. That's not good enough, as we hear this morning from the prophet. The people departed from the teachings of the law and built for themselves a false idea of what it meant to follow the one who liberated them from slavery, the one who brought them to a land where they were free. Their worship has fallen from where God desired it to be. As we ponder this morning in our ongoing series, The Great Ends of the Church, and as we ponder our acts of worship, do we think that God would be pleased Or would God question our worship's quality, not quantity, and whether or not we are trying to do the bare minimum or live fully as disciples who embody worship as a holistic practice? The prophet Amos did not come from noble lineage. 
He wasn't anyone important. His father wasn't important. His family wasn't really important. He didn't have any formal religious or theological training. He was not the son of a prophet, as we said. Simply put, Amos was a nobody. And not just a nobody, he was a backwater sheep herder who one day followed the call of God. Amos preached a message of economic and social justice to a kingdom and a people who exploited those who came to their land to work. He preached a message against those who propped up wealth and allowed influential people to have their way simply because they could pay to have their way and no one else's way. He's preached a message to a people who had let worship become a secondary act. For us today, as we reflect on the maintenance of divine worship, which is the principle from the great ends of the church we are at today, Amos's call for just worship rings true. Amos was a prophet who could have cared less for the ritual trappings of worship. He could have cared less about the formalities, the prayers we write, the music we sing. He did not care for any of that if it meant the people and religious leaders abandoned the moral worship of God. Not just the spiritual worship that we do here on Sunday morning as a community, but the moral worship of God that happens and takes place every day of the week. That happens throughout our daily lives. Because worship, we will learn, is not a once a week act. It's not just something we do here as we gather on Sunday. The spiritual ritual of worship of God meant nothing if it didn't carry anything of weight or substance or value. Worship and the maintenance of our worship, we will find will take us outside the bounds of Sunday mornings, and will bring us to consider how we worship God in every aspect of our lives. As we consider what worship is, you might have seen in our uh, weekly newsletter that I send out, I've grown in my own understanding of what it means to worship God justly and well. In seminary, I talk about how I was very much a high church person, and as I said in the email, not that type of high church but, you know, the type of high church that is, you think, cathedrals and formal prayers and glorias and alleluias. That, for me, in seminary, was what it meant to worship God well. Of course, it's funny how things have changed, and now I'm here with you all, and we just did Jimmy Buffett last (laughs) summer, and I think we sang Margaritaville at the end of the service at the end. So my view of worship has changed, quite obviously. How we worship God, I think, comes to how we approach it from an authentic place, from our heart, how we bring our whole selves into worship. And that's something we wrestle with. That is something that we wrestle with here in our community of faith. And it is a question that other people around us are also pondering. Perhaps you know I've done a bit of consulting work for churches, not just here in New York, but I've even gone to New Jersey and some other places. And as I've gone around consulting for churches and helped them do what they're trying to do, the goals that they set, 
we talk about worship, we talk about what their goals are, and I'm sure you could guess, without me telling them to you, what the three things are that they always try to do with their worship. One, they try to answer the question, how do we get more young people and families to attend? Two, how do we get children in worship? Three, how do we get teens and youth back into the church? And yes, before you say anything, those are all the same question, but they phrase it three different ways. Yes, the question basically boils down to how do we get more people into the building? But that's the wrong question, I believe. That's not the right question we should be asking ourselves in terms of our worship. Our worship is not meant to be something where we ask the question of how do we just get more people in? Because no amount of changes to our worship, our programming, or music could bring people into the church. Well, let me rephrase. It might bring people in, but they won't stay long. Because let me tell you, people, especially those of a younger generation, they're pretty keen on picking when picking up uh, when a group is trying to get them in, but their message is not authentic. There's another phrase for it, but you get what I mean. And if they say, and if they feel that the message we are saying is not authentic, they won't stick around. They're not about the flash the flashiness of things we offer, they're about the substance. As we assess our worship, what if instead of asking questions centered around getting people in, we ask questions about how we can be better neighbors? What if instead of asking about how we get young people or families or people from immigrants or refugee communities, what if we asked instead, what would it look like for us to carry our worship outside the sanctuary's walls? Even better, what would it look like for us to worship God in everything we do? These are the questions that we should be asking. Because let me tell you, friends, if we work on reforming our sense of worship and transforming it to a practice that is all-encompassing and permeates every ounce of our being, then everything else falls into place. The concerns about outreach, the concerns about what we do or do not offer, those things are secondary to worship. If we transform the way we think about worship into this much broader vision for living as a community of God's people, everything else falls into place. Because if our worship proclaims love, if it proclaims healing, if it proclaims compassion and justice above all else. Those who hear and those who bear witness to our worship in our lives will be drawn to hear more, to be a part of something more. Again, our worship is not an act that just occurs once a week to appease God, but it is something that takes place every waking moment of the day. To think otherwise, friends, we are doing ourselves a great disservice. Perhaps that is why the late Dutch Reformed theologian Abraham Kuyper started with this opening line in a speech he gave, that there's not a square inch in the whole domain of human existence over which Christ, who is Lord of all, does not exclaim, mine. 
But this claim that God makes is not one that comes with riders attached. I know we are very good at trying to attach stipulations on the things. But we can't say, I'm all for worshiping God on Sundays, but during the week I'll do whatever I want, whether it's spreading fear or hate or misinformation, cutting lousy business deals to get ahead of someone else, or mistreating, for example, even service staff at whatever place you go to frequent. We can't add those stipulations to our worship. If we say we worship God, if we say we are worshiping God, then let it be said that our worship covers every square inch in everything we do, everything we say, and everything we think, and everything we feel. For example, if we teach, let our worship be known that in our embrace of God and our love of God, that we embrace the time-tested truths we teach to children, whether it be in our sciences or history or mathematics, our love of knowledge. If we work with our hands, let our craft show our worship in the sweat and hard labor and dedication and pride we put into our work. If our work brings us to places of healing or places where we work with those who are vulnerable, let our hearts and our worship speak to our love and compassion. Regardless of our work, friends, let our worship be seen by all. The ways in which we love and show God's love to all people. People who carry the imago dei, the image of God. The church is called to oversee the maintenance of divine worship. How will we enact such a sacred duty here in our church? How might we continue to expand upon our worship experiences outside of the walls here? We heard such a great testimony from Johanna last week as she talked about the midnight run. That in of itself is a worship experience. Friends, we know that God does not desire worship of our hearts, does not desire the worship of our hearts, that are simply just checking off a list of things we do in order to say, we're good. No. God is looking for something more. God is looking for that holistic, that holistic sense of worship. God wants a worship that encompasses our whole selves. Worship that takes the sacrifice of Christ as something that gives us purpose and meaning and a higher calling above any other calling we think might have more precedence here and now. It transcends any of our loyalty to our work, our job, any loyalty or sense we have even to this church building, any sense of loyalty we think we might have to one party or another. Christ, God is looking for worship, where we set those things aside and choose to follow the heart of God, that higher calling. Now that act of worship may begin today. That act of worship may begin today, especially if it is your first time truly hearing the gospel.
but do not let it end today. The heart of God, the justice of God, as Amos would remind us, and the compassion and mercy of God shows us that our lives are an ongoing act of worship. Worship that claims every square inch. Worship that reminds us that Sunday is not enough. Worship that reminds us that God, who from the very beginning walked with us, encourages us and pushes us to do the same, to bring our worship, to bring our love, to bring our passions to every single corner where our lives touch. Worship that God has claimed from the very beginning as God has claimed us. Let it be so, friends. Amen. Thanks again for listening, and we will hold you in prayer as we head into a new week. If you'd like to learn more about our church and ministry, or if you'd like to learn how you can support us, you can visit our website at mayopacchurch.org. Until next week, God bless.